Time for another Tacky Talk. State Representative Tacky Chan of Quincy from the 2nd Norfolk District here in Quincy is joining us for another weekly update. Hi, Tacky, how are you? Good to see you, Joe, for another uh, wonderful week in November where, you know, it was cool, wet, cool, warm, cool, warm, wet. <laughs> yes, we've gone uh, from record heat to below average colds. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a beautiful day. It's a sunny uh, Tuesday, the 15th. Yep, that's true. It's uh, the week after the election, and uh, and we're still waiting nationally to find out what's going to happen in the House. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to some friends about this, and uh, you know, people don't realize that in places, especially like Arizona, uh, the county runs the election, and the county is like a million people, and all the ballots go to one place. Doesn't matter if you did it in person or you mailed it in or Dropbox. It doesn't matter. And, and they'd, uh, given the last election, Arizona's adopted much more stringent methods regarding uh, proper identification and verification, which slows down the count considerably, plus the fact that not just counting ballots for the U.S. Senate race or congressional, the counting ballots for all the ticket, going down ticket. Yep, so, other state races too, yeah. Exactly. So it isn't, you know, people have this like weird impression, it's like in Massachusetts, how we do things in small communities around us. I mean, yeah, we're a big city from Massachusetts, but I mean, you're know, relative to out there, it's it's significantly smaller. Uh, and, uh, you know, given the scrutiny from last time, they upped their game regarding ensuring that, you know, observers are available, uh, that, you know, people have clear view of the ballots, you know, in the processes, um, you know, verification of signatures on each envelope that came in, uh, the checking against the voter cards, uh, you know, they have to run it themselves through the machines. It's not like done like we do sitting at the polling place and run them through to secure lockbox uh, differential. I mean, it's totally different election system. And like, or even Oregon, Oregon's gone 100% mail-in ballot this year. The state of Oregon's 100% mail-in ballot. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So they all gone to central voting locations again and uh, taking a lifetime for them to process those mail-in ballots. Um, and whoever thought places like New York and California, which historically are very, very, very democratic states, you know, have contested races and Republicans have been winning in some of those contested races in California and uh, in uh, New York. But the reality, again, is still that the, the Democrats would not hold the House, uh, barring a complete complete trifecta, uh, trifecta, I mean, a superfecta or a hat trick. I mean, they need to sweep the board. Yeah, even the president has acknowledged that probably the House is, is going to be lost um, and it's split evenly in the Senate with the, you know, the vice president having the deciding vote. Yeah, and, and you know, Atlanta will make uh, you know give some buffer space for uh, the Democrats if if we win Atlanta, and I think I think there's a good chance that uh, we can win Atlanta, and part of the reasons because one is the irrelevance of it, and why does it really matter, uh, right? Because you already won the Senate, so it may bring down vote totals on both D's and R's, but yeah. you know it really is who wants it more, and of course special election has a whole different tone now because you don't have the governor leading the ticket among all the other down ticket races, right? So it's 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 a little bit different in uh, this Atlanta special. So um, you know it's entirely possible that Democrats can still win Atlanta if you know Republican voters, for example, think this is not relevant. E- even if you elect Walker, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't give them power, right? Yeah, it it is interesting, and and if if nothing else, at least it 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 um, makes it a little easier, I think, uh, to cross the aisle and get things done if the if the margin is that much less. You only, you only have a couple of Republicans to sway your way or, or vice versa. 
Same thing in car, uh, in the uh, house side. I mean, right. the reality is that we were discussing like early in the year, a plus 40 or plus 60 Republican based on a past historical record uh, using approval ratings and, and uh, calculations and things like that. Looking at history, like, history is an indicative of future return. It's like the stock market, right? Uh, you know, it's like, right. <laughs> it doesn't work that way uh, because people are people. You just don't know. Right. Uh, but I mean, clearly, uh, McCarthy will have a very slim margin. I have him at a plus 10 going in. I, I think it might be a plus three. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, people do not give enough credit to Nancy Pelosi's ability to hold together the Democratic caucus, which is splintered and diverse, just like any uh, party caucus is. To able yeah, to she knows her base. She definitely knows her base. Yeah. Yeah, keep them all together to compromise within the caucus to get to get the ship moving forward in Democratic mm-hmm. caucus. You have to compromise and move forward, and uh, you know push through an agenda uh, that represents uh, you know enough of the caucus that they can get together on a, on a solidified vote. McCarthy's yeah. going to face, face the same problem. But the Republican Party since since two thousand eight has been very very splintered in Congress, uh, and uh, unlike dealing with like you know four or five folks, he's got dozens upon dozens upon dozens of different fractures within that party, uh, which will leverage their position on votes, uh, which in no, and trust me, no Republican caucus wants to go to the Democratic caucus to push something forward. As much as we talk about compromise, the goal first is to compromise within your own caucus, right. you get the votes in place and you know, hopefully the other party will go along a bit, you know, it's a no brainer. Um, but you could find yourself you know, in a situation where you're short three votes mm-hmm. and you gotta go, to the other area and see if it's appetizing for the other side of the aisle. And and uh, this could be also very bad for McCarthy too. Remember the last two speakers didn't last a year, uh, barely a year uh, in the uh, Republican caucus the last time they held the House. It's, it is very interesting. Uh, one thing though, that does seem to be coalescing together today, expecting a, another announcement from Donald Trump for a third run for presidency is, um, almost unanimous uh, opinion that that would be bad for the Republican Party. Oh, it's good for Democrats. I mean, <laughs> I'm not shy about what party I'm in, folks. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's absolutely correct. I mean, the PR right now is not very good. The voter turnout has showed a checkerboard effect in many contested states. I mean, obviously, if you're a solid Republican state, it's a 70% solid Republican registration. In your district, I mean, duh. I mean, it's right. difficult. I mean, unless you're literally like, like a high-end criminal of epic proportions, you know, the Republicans will vote with you. Probably still would vote with you, party line voting. Right. Yeah. Uh, but they generally knock off those people in the primary to really like bad people. That's what primaries are for. Right. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see a showdown between him and Ron DeSantis. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, obviously, the media, Republican media, is shifting gears again. Uh, don't forget, advertising dollars does drive uh, media mm-hmm. behavior. I'm sorry to tell you, folks, but that's true. Not here at QATV, though. No, no, you're 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 a whole different funding making us. We could talk about that one a different day. But that's another that's another conversation. Yeah, yeah but you're shielded from uh, media influences in terms of the uh, dollar size of advertising. But I mean, you know, news and ratings ratings are very important for news outlets uh, to attract uh, dollars, uh, and to do a lot of things. If you watch the different methodologies of news. You can see, uh, if you really think carefully, observe, you can watch different channels. You can see exactly how they're trying to get viewership up. Mm-hmm. 
for the purposes of advertising dollars. And this is just the reality of American media since the dawn of time of America. So yeah, but it's a good reminder. Folks should, you know, always ask the question, why am I seeing this? Why are they promoting this? Why are they reporting on this? It's just a good question to ask yourself. Not that it's a wrong or incorrect or inaccurate story, but the reasons behind it. And you also see this, see this in social media as well. I yep. mean, obviously, you know, as a dude, I mean, there's a whole lot of male-oriented commercials on social media targeted towards me against again, we can talk about privacy issues and big yeah. tech and all that, but, you know, not surprising, you know, you get these, um, like sh- razors, right? I get the razor commercial come up all the time, you know, um, it's always men doing the ad, uh, talking about, you know, the importance of this particular razor, why you should want it. I'm not going to name the brands, but you know what I'm talking about. If you watch enough YouTube and, and watch your social media, these come up. It's not an accident. Exactly. Yeah. yeah political ads use the same calculation. So, you know, they, they target very specific ads to a specific demographics to appeal to you, to convince you that that is, is what it is. And it's targeted, targeted advertising to appeal to your psyche. Absolutely. And candidates do the same thing. They get they have access to the voter rolls. They know who votes. So they know who to, you know, push their message toward with the likelihood that that person is going to vote. Yeah. And especially on a national level where the resources right. are bigger and, and uh, advertising uh, uh, continuously advertising is much more important because they can't, you know, the candidate can't reach every single voter. Right. Like if you're, you're, you know, particularly if you're in a huge state, like, you know, like New Hampshire, for example, Vermont has one congressperson, Wyoming yep. has one congressperson. Those are big, you know, I know Vermont doesn't look big, but it's a big state when you really think about one congressperson. Rhode Island's another example. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's a smaller state, so you probably could reach more people individually, more density. Uh, but if you're like in Wyoming, you know, Liz Cheney seat, it's big. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're talking thousands of miles between constituents. Yeah. Yeah. A, a very different style of campaigning. Yeah. Interestingly, uh, Governor Baker went to the Republican Governors Association meeting in Colorado. And <laughs> I said, does he have a future ambitions? <laughs> no, he's done. <laughs> his wife might kill him. Yeah, his wife might kill him. Oh, that's true. He would he would say that publicly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, his wife might kill him. He's he's over sixty five. Um, yeah, I know age is no longer a barrier because you look at leadership in the parties. No offense, yes. I don't speaker, but yeah, leadership in parties are not young, young folks at the moment. Um, young is like sixty. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, all the all the go- all the governors have gone go to conference. Also, got a good opportunity to uh, see governors elect around the country. A lot of governor elected women. Mm-hmm. Has been elected uh, this year as well, um, and uh, you know it's it's part of the you know continuation of sharing ideas and socialization, right? I mean, okay, yeah. Uh, you're there's only fifty governors plus you know regional governor te- in the territories, and uh, you know they have a common experience in many ways, um, sure. and it's it's a unique experience where you can get together and talk to folks about um, you know how things are done in your state, what you encounter. Well, and particularly after COVID, uh, in COVID or whatever state where COVID win, because I still think we're in a pandemic state, um, I'm sure a lot of mayors and governors and other leaders that get together, you know, can share common knowledge and common experiences. Yeah, that's true. They are, you know, they are people, person positions for sure. So they have to like to interact with people to have gotten to where they are right now anyway. Yeah, and, and being elected governor is, is a very elite group when you think about how long it's been going on. Under the current constitution, 
you know, under in the fourth, you know, since colonial era, we're in version four of government of Massachusetts. You know, John Hancock uh, was the last speaker from Quincy and the first governor of the new Commonwealth mm-hmm. uh, in the current iteration of, of the Constitution, uh, of this government, anyway, the Constitution replaced the previous uh, colonial governments. Yep. So, but I mean, back then, Hancock was elected in one year terms. Then they evolved to two year terms. Then in the 20th century, they evolved to four year terms for governor, right? So, uh, you know, even a one year term governors, uh, there ain't that many governors uh, in the uh, post colonial era. Yeah. Uh, if you look even in the state house, you come visit, you know, you can see uh, pictures of all governors mm-hmm. that are elected or appointed by the crown. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the walls of the state house. And yeah, it looks like a lot, but remember the state is almost 400 years old. Mm. Yeah, right? so to be able to fit them all in one room is, you know, that's a pretty elite group, yeah. It is a very elite group of, gov- yeah. of people and being elected to governor of Commonwealth, doesn't matter who you are, uh, you know, is a part of a very elite group. You know what we should talk about, Tacky, that might be kind of fun to, uh, to explain. Massachusetts is not actually a state, right? It's a Commonwealth. Yeah, so there's the four Commonwealths, and uh, I think there's Virginia. I know it's Commonwealth Virginia. I want my gut says Kentucky, and I can't think of the other ones, but we can look that up. But yeah, Commonwealth is a a unique term that's actually enshrined in the Constitution. Yeah, and is it a different governing structure than statehood? Marketing. Ah, okay. So when John Adams wrote the Constitution, he had to put it for the people for ratification, and uh, there was some review of the of the document and people didn't like the fact of how it's, the state was titled. So uh, stating it's a commonwealth has a whole different ring to it is that, you know, the government will work for a common good. And you guys are all thinking, well, what is that? You know, what's the deal? Well, you got to remember that these guys just came out of a revolutionary war from the, from the British where uh, the government uh, worked for the interests of the crown. The government didn't work for the interests of the population. Mm. So a commonwealth means for all of us. Okay. And uh, it's kind of lost some people in the modern era because as the populations change, as the demographics change, the intent of the constitution, again, is to work for all of us, all of us, not just some of us. Hence the concept of a commonwealth. Yeah, it's interesting. I just thought we should point that out because the, the U.S. constitution is based on the Massachusetts constitution. Yes, absolutely. And Obviously, they had a different ratification process that's written right. into the Constitution, yeah. uh, but it was never, it was, uh, you know, it was, a everyone did it differently. But I mean, the state Constitution in particular need to get through a popular vote. Right. Yep. You know, we're the oldest continuously running Constitution uh, in the world. Uh, the, Magna Carta, yeah, the Magna Carta isn't exactly a Constitution. It's a, it's a, it's a deal between the Crown and the aristocrats yeah. that has evolved over the years Um by common law and practice in England, uh, which is documented. So it's a little bit quirky in the English, but in terms of like a modern contract uh, between the people and the population, that's the Magna Carta. And you want to call the constitution a contract, it's a contract between the people of Massachusetts and the government, which yeah. uh, referred as the Commonwealth. And that's why the population can amend constitutions by vote, as we saw this past election cycle, amending the vote on uh, many of the constitution, the so-called uh, millionaire's tax. Mm-hmm. So uh, the population uh, has a mechanism by which they can petition the legislature uh, to amend the constitution. Hence, it's still uh, a document of the people. 
Yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, it's right on the state flag, Commonwealth of Massachusetts, uh, you know, on the state seal. Oh, by the way, how's the uh, redesigning of that going? Have you heard anything about that? Well, they continue to have, uh, continue to get emails about more public hearings on it. Okay. <laughs> okay, so so the answer is no, no decisions. <laughs> no, they're still having public hearings on this. Uh, obviously, go to malegislature.gov. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure exactly how much of the material has been put up there, uh, but it's still kind okay. of a work in progress. Okay, it's just interesting that you brought it up when I when I was mentioning the state flag. Um, what is going on uh, from the speaker's point of view with the committee assignments? Anything new, Jackie? No, uh, you know, I, I had a brief conversation about this issue with the speaker back in October. You know, like every member of the House uh, in the Democratic caucus, you know, I'll be making appointments in the months of December and January. Uh, where the speaker will spend some time and talk about their priorities for the coming legislative session and their request for committee assignments. Obviously, this is a seniority-driven system. There's always been exceptions, but you know, you know, 90% of the time or 99% of the time, you know, it's seniority-driven. You know, as well, obviously, uh, you know, where the speaker can uh, decide that you have the right skill sets to do certain things and certain committees, or maybe receive additional requests to do more beyond your committee, depending on the circumstances. Yeah. Um, and as you, you know, guys can guess, you know, we cover a diverse set of professions and life experiences and, uh, you know, sharing those experiences with the speaker's office as well as sharing them with uh, chairman uh, and leadership people, you know, brings greater value uh, to the public uh, in terms of policymaking. Did I read where um, some statehouse staffers are, are get, finally getting a raise in pay? Yeah, we chatted a little bit about this last time because I was yeah. in the state house. So, you know, the challenge in pay has always been a real issue, actually, forever. I was paid on Senate payroll, which evolved actually a couple of times when I actually worked in the Senate. Uh, and, uh, you know, we do have uh, equal pay for comparable work. I always say equal pay for equal work, but it's really equal pay for comparable work is what the law says. And, uh, you know, it's really about closing the gender gap, especially regarding a payroll. Um, in the state house, uh, one of the big challenges is trying to determine uh, bait, you know, raising the base pay to reflect the challenge of today's cost of living, plus, you know, compensating people for seniority, AKA experience. Yeah. And uh, this is a job experience matters a lot, particularly for staff, because it's different bosses, different districts, different needs, different priorities, but still working under one system, which is the house rules, the joint rules, obviously the employee handbook, um, you know, in the house, but you got to, you know, execute your boss's um, requests and your constituents requests within those guidelines and of course the state ethics laws there's a lot of oh, things yeah, too. yeah i mean surprised people ask me things like that's illegal yeah can't, can't do that um that happens every so often so you know uh you know i, I don't want to get into too much detail but no, the, no. They're it's getting, all public information so we don't have to yeah yeah my my staff is happy Good. Well, when I read the actual salaries, I was astounded at how low they were. And even still, they're not, you know, exorbitant by any means, given the work that they do. Yeah. I mean, the Senate historically paid more than the House. When I started working in the House in, in 2000, I'm sorry, 1995, geez. Uh, you know, I got, I got part-time pay because I worked part-time, but in 96, I got full-time pay and it was about 25 grand. Yeah. So that was 96. Um, today, the base pay for aid would be fifty three thousand. So it took twenty what seven years to double. Yeah, you know? almost twenty seven years. Yeah, 
but that's the Senate, not the House. Right. So I remember correctly in 96 was 23,500 ish. Wow. So yeah, it in you know it's more than doubled uh from slightly more than double from 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 the pay in 96. I think it was 235. Okay. Yeah. So that paid slightly better. Um and you know, so give you guys, you know, an idea of, of you know the state of life. I mean, you gotta want to do this job. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It it truly is a um, a public servants, public servants mindset. Uh, you're not doing it for the money. Yeah, because you're dealing with the scheduling of your boss. Yep. You generally get one aide uh, as a backbench rep. Uh, you do constituent service. You're the front line of the phone calls. You have to support attending meetings. You have to, you know, review legislation. You have to respond to constituents. Uh, you have to, um, you know, uh, work help work the district. Like I said, every boss is different in how they approach things. Some folks you know, very engaged uh, in the district. Some are less. You know, some have to work after hours. Yep. Um, you know, and uh, but it's a good place to go to school if you want to go to night school in Boston. Uh, it's it's a good location. But like I said, it's 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 you got to want to do it. And, you know, I'm an example of someone that really wanted to do it. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I read that the GM for um, the T is going to be replaced by an interim GM. Is that right? Yeah, I don't know exactly what the deal is yet. I mean, they need to go through a, a real search process plus. Plus, you know, proof of board. If you read the country in uh, Boston, Rob, written by Scott Van Voris, he floated a ton of names out there as possible replacement slash interim individuals. Most of these, some of the folks have actual transportation experience. Some of them, like, really? Really? So, yeah, that was my response. So, if you're interested, not like you want to promote someone else's news uh, here, uh, but uh, no, sorry about that. Yeah. yeah. Scott Van Voris on the contrary, uh, country and contrary and Boston. Contrarian Boston. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I I have no issues with that whatsoever. Take. Yeah, please, you know, consider subscribing to Scott Morris's um, stuff. Uh, okay. He does provide an alternative view. Um, I know Scott uh, from his time at the Boston Herald's business section. Mm-hmm. Very good relationship with Scott. Uh, very good connections in Boston uh, business scene still. Uh, very straightforward writer. Very nice. Yeah, that's good to know. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, we're all about, I mean, I believe knowledge is power, however you can get it, as long as it's accurate. Yeah, and di- like I said, different, he also provides some opinions, different point of view. So, for example, one of the things he's been doing, because he was a newsroom guy at the State House as well at one point in his life, uh, he's been visiting newsrooms around the, around the state. It's a great yeah. idea. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. You, oh. yeah, there's no better way to get a, get a pulse of a community than your local, used to be your local newspapers newsroom but it's changed now it has changed and some sadness about some newsrooms that are quite frankly decimated as paper the paper news is is challenged yeah we're so lucky here in quincy with uh, the bosworths and the sun mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah uh, bob does a great job following the footsteps of henry and uh you know i'm still very very dependent on the quincy sun and local news Likewise. Yeah, I fully admit it. You know, uh, I'm just one person. So <laughs> anyway, can get information is helpful. Yeah. Uh, well, what's coming up in the district? It's that time of year, Tacky. It's Thanksgiving. It's Christmas. <laughs> it's, okay. it's all those things. Well, thank you for veterans and their family. It was a good turnout on Veterans Day on Friday. Uh, you know, the parade is a bit shorted, you know, in the past from, from uh, you know, Quincy High School parking lot down Hancock Street to Marymount Park. Uh, in some ways, actually, I like this route better. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, shorter distance makes me a little happier, I suppose. I live close enough to the Maryland Park. You actually walk to the Quincy High School parking lot and, and turn around and walk 
uh, back house after the uh, back to the house after uh, the parade's over. Um, you know, obviously you got uh, various affairs that have now gone off regarding um, you know buying things for Christmas. I mean, you know, if Quincy High School had one, you probably you know various churches uh, will have them. You know, House Neck generally has one. Uh, so I mean, keep an eye out in the Quincy Sun. <laughs> yeah, and on our channel too, we promote those for the churches definitely. Exactly, and you know, a good chance to uh, you know spend some money on good local community people and, and gifts for the you know, for your family, small gifts and whatnot. And then um, obviously Christmas Parade is Thanksgiving weekend. Um, and then, uh, you know, Q, uh, Quincy Age Resources has the annual meeting uh, next Monday. Oh. They're required by uh, bylaws to have at least one public annual meeting. So, you know, that, that'll be, you know, good for uh, people to get caught up what's going on. I think it's going to be a, part, a hybrid meeting. Yeah. Some in Zoom, some in person. Um, and then, uh, you know, hopefully uh, it'll be a quiet Christmas. You know, going to the holidays, you have the local tree lightings in December, various neighborhoods. Um, you know, uh, everyone does something a little bit different. Uh, yeah, the, uh, tree lighting in Hell's Next uh, has moved off the fire station. I think at a, the tree kind of couldn't, I mean, it just aged out. I can't, yeah, it's, I can't, yeah, it's so they're doing something a little bit special down in the neck. Oh, okay. And then there's, um, you know, obviously local ones in Marymount and, and you know, out in uh, West Quincy and so forth. And yep, Stafford Park is a big one, I know. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the fire department does a great job, you know, with Santa Claus. Um, and, but I mean, I'm, you know, I'm always desiring a quiet month and, uh, you know, and hopefully I'll get a quiet month in December. Yes. Well, we'll see what the weather brings too. That's always a, a challenge. Yeah, we're all hoping for more weather. Your electric bill and gas bill, we'll see it spike uh, at the end of this month. So uh, basic rate has gone up 65%, and I believe gas rates have gone up 16%. Uh, so if you're a completely dependent on electric heating, uh, you know, it's going to be very challenged. Uh, and if you're oil-based, you know, as you saw, there's a challenge in diesel fuel and home heating oil. Uh, and uh, for low-income folks and senior citizens, we, you know, we allocate $57 million in this supplemental slash econ dev bill uh, to um, to the, uh, to low income assistance uh, program waiting the federal government comes through their amount historically to provide toy man but you know you know Congress who knows what's going on down there yeah uh, and you know it's a lame duck situation right now for Congress as well so yeah. we're still getting money for our local community action programs and uh, like every year I tell folks if there's local um, charitable organization not for profits and you have a little bit of extra change to give, and please do consider giving um, to some for, some of our local organizations for the good work they do. You would definitely help your neighbor, especially uh, through QCAP and the Salvation Army and Interfaith, um, you know, places like that. You're you're directly helping people that live in your community. Yeah, and uh, the Salvation Army bell is uh, something that uh, Bob Bosworth continues the tradition from his dad, and I'll be ringing a bell at some point as well. Uh, I did ask, <laughs> I did ask Bob, can we do this when I still have some daylight? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a challenge this time of year. <laughs> it's so, like four o'clock now. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I get a daylight hour. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, we'll give you a flashlight, Jackie. <laughs> um, but again, another great cause and it stays right in, in the community. Yeah, I, I agreed. So, you know, it's. I do understand uh, uh, everyone's going to have to tighten the wallets. We talked about me and my coupon clipping many mm -hmm. times. Um, 
And uh, again, you know, you don't have to leave yourself plugged in all the time. You don't have to plug your phone in all the time. You don't have to plug your laptop in all the time. You know, unplugging, turning off your surge protectors, um, you know, small things like that can help reduce your electric bill a little bit of time. And also, if you're able to, you know, get a smart thermostat. Uh, MassSafe uh, website has a lot of discounts and coupons for smart thermostats. You're paying for your electric bill anyway to pay those programs. So, might as well get your, your Benny fits out of uh, out of that like smart meters or the stuff um and it doesn't make a difference so we have got a smart meter recently and uh you know, it's actually uh, we actually have a new heating system you may remember a year and a half ago all the bagging noises in the background of what i remember that actually yes <laughs> uh and the smart meter has made a huge difference working with new uh heating equipment that uh talks to each other better for lack of a term so uh, so yeah that, that helps a lot and yeah. uh but yeah, no, you guys are all going to be in for a stick of shock. And again, uh, I said this again for multiple times already. I still believe the consumer spending is going to go down as a result of um, you know paying high energy prices. Gas prices are creeping up to about $3.80, high as $4.25. Boston, I've seen as high as $5.25. Really? In the, in the, at the pump. Uh, and people are going to be tightening their belts even further. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's no question. It's still an inflationary period for sure. I think people will spend on travel this year uh, to, to see their families, but maybe pull back on the gift part. Yeah, obviously uh, tickets are up. Uh, air uh, jet fuel's gone up in price, and uh, people are will probably travel around the Thanksgiving period, and you know probably stay local during Christmas and New Year's. Mm. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I think people have been saving money for one big trip, and then probably will not travel again to the following summer. Right. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about um, world affairs. The uh, president uh, is out of the country right now, I think, in Indonesia. Yeah, the G20 is uh, being hosted in Cambodia, actually. Okay. The uh, is the host country. Indonesia uh, is playing a very strong uh, position uh, as one of the, I think it's the third most popular, uh, it's the second, no, it's the third most populous country in the world. Wow. Uh, so, you know, they're in the growing economic power uh, in the geographic zone, you know, exerting its influence in the area uh, and, you know, being a, a strong host, all the Southeast Asian nations are being a strong host uh, for the G20. And uh, the president and uh, President Xi of China met in Bali. Yep. First time they've seen each other in person since pre-COVID when he, the president was still vice president for Obama. That's right. So it's been a long time and uh, they've traveled together, they work together, they know each other pretty well. So, you know, this is not a, a new experience for President Biden to uh, deal with the Chinese government. Uh, and because uh, the way it works, they get like equal level government. So when when uh, President Xi was only vice premier, um, you know, his counterpart was was Vice President Biden. So in this area, it's very fortunate, you know, where you have someone that is leading nation of foreign affairs that actually have a lot of experience engaging with China. The expectations Secretary Blinken will make a trip to China himself to meet his counterpart uh, in China proper. And, you know, obviously discussion is all over the news about, you know, uh, securitization of uh, the uh, Pacific region, especially regarding Taiwan and reemphasization of the uh, two China policy status, uh, uh, one China policy, one China policy status quo situation, uh, which basically translates to uh, don't invade Taiwan. <laughs> That's what he's really saying there. Obviously, the trade war continues. People forget we are still in the trade war. The tariffs are still very high with both countries oh. on trading goods. We did, he did not break down the tough, uh, the Trump era uh, tariffs. 
Um, you know, obviously security with uh, Korea and Japan was a big deal. The U.S. reiterated the position there. Um, you know, protection of trade. I'm sure Ukraine come up at some level uh, regarding engagement with, uh, with the Russian uh, Federation. Um, you know, I'm sure they talked about a lot of stuff. So I'm sure some of it didn't come out in the press as well. Mm-hmm. And this is a translation uh, challenge because uh, it takes twice as long to talk when you have a translator. Oh, true. That's right. You're adding another whole layer to the conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that people forget there's that component as well. When you know you have to talk uh, slowly, deliberately, and carefully. Mm-hmm. So the translator can translate those words so it's relayed correctly. Yeah, that's right. There are nuances, especially in the English language, that can be misconstrued if they're not translated correctly. <laughs> yeah. What you say really, really matters. The words yeah. you pick really matters because of the nature of translation. Sometimes, you know, for example, you want to try to avoid idioms. And metaphors, unless you state up front, I'm using a metaphor. That's right. That's right. Because yeah, <laughs> what we would understand completely, somebody else would find completely foreign. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. So uh, diplomatic uh, conversations, a very very careful word. Yeah, um, I know you're aware, Taki, uh, of the incident at the Wollaston MBTA station. I don't know if you want to comment on that particularly, but I know we've talked in the past about. Um, uh, violence against uh, Asian Americans in general, and unfortunately, the victim in this case was an, an Asian woman. Yeah, I mean, it's all over the news. I mean, more news coverage this week. Uh, I'm aware that District Attorney Morris he's working very hard uh, regarding this prosecution, as well as the NBTA police. Um, the uh, victim was at uh, Walton T Station Saturday morning around 7 a.m. The perpetrator tried to uh, basically kidnap an other woman within like a 10, 20 minute zone, I think. It's really close time frame. The other one was able to fend uh, the individual off, um, hoping that the person that fend off uh, the perpetrator comes forward at least to make a statement to give a better idea um, if this rises level to hate crime because this guy's predatory behavior. Uh, and I mean, you read the Globe article, it, it, it is guys a sickle. I mean, it's, it's a predator, it's, it's bad. Yeah, I read the court document statements that he made, and uh, it didn't refer to race, at least in those statements that I read. Um, it's it's more of a uh, another issue going on for sure. Yeah, hate crimes are premeditated. You have to demonstrate that the uh, race is a factor, a predominant factor to 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 rise to the level of hate crime. Uh, it's a premeditated premeditated issue. So yeah, generally people use racial slurs and certain acts, but a pattern of behavior can do so as well. So if anybody's been harassed or have talked to this individual or made certain comments, you know, definitely come forward to police to, to let them know in the DA's office know so they can see if there's enough there to build a premeditation regarding hate crime. And, you know, also social media accounts, people can find a lot of stuff out of there. I mean, that's how uh, people in the FBI are able to figure out submission, for example, because of what you put down in the public media. Uh, particularly social media and, you know, comments made in the workplace or, or with neighbors. Um, this is in my neighborhood. Those of you guys know, I live in Wallston. Wallston T is my tea station since I was, you know, forever. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, a 10 minute walk to the tea. Um, my brother lives in the neighborhood too. Uh, you guys all know, I live by mother and take care of her uh, a myriad of issues. And obviously, you know, the victim was a senior citizen and a small woman. My mom is also a senior citizen and a small woman, so I'm very, very concerned um, that this guy was, was, you know, literally in my neighborhood on, on Elm Ave, um, East Elm Ave, uh, uh, as a predator. Uh, and uh, very, very troubled by that, obviously. Um, so, 
Uh, more facts will unfold uh, during the course of the week into next week. Uh, 23rd is arraignment. Uh, and I suspect, um, you know, we got more talk about this next week once once more details arise. Yeah, he's, uh, he's being held without bail, just to let folks know. So, uh, you know, relax. He's not out on the streets. Yeah, and I feel terribly for, for the victims because obviously the other person was tried to be abducted. And obviously the fa- their families and friends and their co-workers and their neighbors are all, you know, all impacted by by these this type of crime that it's just grotesque. Yeah, I do remember years ago, you probably remember too, the uh, the T police put up um, that portable watchtower essentially uh, when there were some issues at that station and that really seemed to have an impact. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, Asian folks, uh, obviously there's a very large Chinese neighborhood in particular, uh, you know, during the summer months, you know, are robbed at the walls and tea station. Yep. And uh, not to say that, uh, you know, they just don't rob random people, but there's a pre- pretensity for people to rob uh, Asian folks during the summertime. Uh, they target folks that likely have cash, particularly people working in the restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. And also uh, during Chinese New Year, uh, they, there's an incorrect perception that, you know, Chinese folks are carrying a whole lot of cash all the time during Chinese New Year because of the, the red envelopes, you know, as a gift to fa- uh, family members and friends. Um, usually it's just a dollar. So relax, people. <laughs> Agreed. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not that much money. And home break-ins, you know, tend to occur during Chinese New Year as well. Hmm. Um, because the incorrect, incorrect perception, there's a boatload of money there. Um, you know, but also targeting particularly, you know, people in the restaurant industry, especially wait staff, mm-hmm. you know, we get tips and cash. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's still, you know, people still use cash. I know it sounds mm-hmm. strange to some folks listening, but, you know, uh, tipping in cash is still very common. So, um, but yeah, this this does happen. And I, uh, I'm very aware of it. And it's not a new issue, particularly uh, grabbing goals, so to speak, smash and grab, and and the uh, same thing breaking into people's homes. And it's, mm. I'm sorry to say, it's not unusual. It, you know, it's a it's an expectation now during the summer months. But you know, this type of grotesque crime of kidnapping and sexual assault, um, you know, is not one of the ones that you know that uh, that is part of. I hate to say of the criminal norm. It's a heinous. It's a heinous crime, no doubt. Yeah. For sure, and again, of course, uh, we feel for the family and and the victim herself as well. Well, on that note, Techie, <laughs> we we have to ask folks how to get a hold of you. Yeah, six one seven seven two 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 three seven zero six one seven seven two 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 three seven zero. I appreciate to hear from anyone about things that are important to them. Obviously, constituent services come first. Uh, Techie.chan at mahealth.gov. You know, still. Uh, Email is not so bad right now, thankfully. Uh, and of course, we have Tacky Chan, uh, stay representative Tacky Chan Facebook, as well as at Tacky Chan on Twitter, tackychan.org. Uh, uh, some useful information there. And uh, obviously, malegislature.gov is the official state website. And of course, Kiri TV uh, with uh, Joey here. Uh, there's a podcast, Things I Discovered Late in Life. Uh, obviously on YouTube, you want to see my face. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, if you are got Comcast, you can watch in channel 8 and 10. And I think we're just down to 8 and 10, right? Uh, oh, no, we have our HD channel now as well. Okay, there's an HD channel. I'm still yeah. turning. Clearly, I'm only turning on to 8 only still. <laughs> well, you can get us there. But, yeah, it's, uh, I should know what the HD channel is, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> 
1097, I think. 97. All right. Well, I mean, are we in 4K? Do we do 4K on Zoom? Yes, definitely. Yeah. So if I get better resolution uh, on YouTube, I guess. Yeah, you can see my wrinkles and gray hairs. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I uh, certainly encourage folks to reach out to you, or if uh, they want to get hold of me, I can certainly relay messages as well. Oh, absolutely. Don't be afraid uh, to bother Joe. And, uh, you know, obviously you can tell we're friends, so it isn't like you can't get a hold of me. And we, we, we try very hard. Yeah. And what do you mean late in life? My gosh, you're just a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I do age. Uh, you guys have been watching me since uh, April, 2020, and despite the hair and exhaustion uh, some days as you guys have noticed uh, if you want to go back in time you can see what it look like uh, but i do age just to let you all know it takes a little while very very slightly <laughs> it happens i have a little more gray hairs my my hair cutter pointed out to me i picked up a few extra grays hey at least you have it <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much jackie always good to talk to you great to see you talk to you soon